Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, whenever you are listening to this episode of All Canadian on your Tuesday feed, what a hell of a week of football to start off our CFL season. Man, I am, I'm very happy. That was a huge sigh of relief. I am very happy that CFL football is back. It felt so good to just like sit down and watch CFL football and, uh, and have week one here. Let's get right to it. Certified Menace. Caden Dalkey. Public oh Enemy God. number one. What a, what a night. What a night. When he blew up Gino on like first or second play of the game. I think it was second play of the game. I stopped and I'm like, oh shit. This is what Jaden Dalkey brought to Alberta. This is why we ranked him so highly, even with his knee injuries, in our 2022 CFL Draft 100. This was the guy we all knew was going to be showing up in the CFL. Had to wait a year to get him fully healthy into the system. What a difference maker. I think he had five tackles and a pick. And a number of breakups. He won't get credited with the pass breakups, but making those hits and ensuring the ball gets tossed away, huge for his team. Yeah, he had a day. Absolute day. Uh, the pick was kind of a gimme. It was a, it was a end of the half Hail Mary. Nonetheless, he made a great play on it, but he, uh, he was make, making great plays on the ball all night long, man. He was, uh, we said it, we said it earlier, certified menace. Yeah, uh, for those listening, we are going to try and get a single shirt made to send <laughs> to Jaden Dalkey with the Certified Menace slogan on it. Um, in all honesty, Connor, my first thought when he made that play on the ball was like, shit, does he ever look like Taylor Loeffler? Aggressive, downhill, speed to cover out in the past game. I, if that is his... Athletic trajectory. I know Loeffler had injuries that cut his career short, but the path he was on, if that's Jaden Dalkey's trajectory, wow, has Saskatchewan got it locked in for the next little bit. Yeah, and I mean, look at the rise of Canadian safety in the CFL too, right? But yeah, Jaden Dalkey, rangy, fast, not afraid to throw his weight around. He is a he's a damn good ball player, and I think he's going to be manning the back end of that defense for quite some well, time because he looked comfortable out there, man. Okay, so think about your Canadian safety. Tunde, Dequa, Justin Howell, Mechie. So the whole Eastern Division is Canadian safeties. And then out West, we have Dalkey and Luchez Perfoy with Edmonds. Is like, he's the nationalized American, but he's backed up by a whole pile of Canadians as well. So um, it certainly is a position of flexibility and the Canadians are slowly outnumbering the rest as a safety. They certainly are. And I mean, even look at some of the backup positions, right? Like, well, Nick Hallett, Adrian Green, Jake Taylor, Jake who we Taylor. just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, even Jordan Hoover on Edmonton, who, I don't know, I, I had a comment for you the other day when I was watching that game, but I think it'll be Jake Taylor mainly behind uh, Luchez Purfoy. Speaking of the rookies, speaking of Jake Taylor, speaking of the rookies, do you want to get into some of the, or I guess most of the rookies that contributed over the 
over week one of CFL action? Yeah. Uh, Clark Barnes, very impressive with Calgary. Uh, Jig Taylor, Jackson Ford, the two backups at safety um, in the Sunday night game. They both had some good plays on special teams. Uh, and then you got your pass rushers. I saw Jake Kelly fly down for a couple special teams plays uh, for Winnipeg as well. It was uh, it was a good weekend for the rookies and even second year guys. We go a bit further. Yeah, happy to see those guys get in, make some plays. Um, I mean, even late Cody Moore, our guy, friend of the podcast, made a didn't make the play, but he made a nice nice play on a sack uh, late in the game for the Riders. But let's. Let's dive headfirst into week one here as we talk about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Do you want to talk about last night's game and work backwards while it's still fresh in our mind? Oh, Jaden Dalkey, Jaden Dalkey, Jaden Dalkey. No, I, well, there's we more to this game. There was more to this game. Uh, why do we not give our running backs more carries, Connor? It is beyond me. It is Beyond me, there was a ton of guys, handful of guys that were over 50 this week. Even uh, Willie Stanback didn't get there, but he was around 50. But Brown goes over 50 in this game. Morrow goes over 50 in this game. Mizell, we'll get to him later, went over 50. Bray Alvera went over 50. You can run the rock in Canadian football. It is okay to do that. As an offense, you, you can run the football. It's cool. Even James Butler. I know Hamilton was struggling, but he went for 66 in the game too. Okay, now here's what I'm talking about is... Kevin Brown, 11 carries, 56 yards, five and a half yards. So if we run him twice on his average, he is going to get us a first down. I know that he had a big 20-yarder and a te- like a, another double-digit run as well. But Connor, how are we not? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Let's, let's go and get these running backs involved. And like I talked about with Stanback, actually, funny enough, when we were talking about our We'll get to this. Um, I said the more carries, the better, and it did not. Meanwhile, the other running backs who we were kind of talking about, you know, if they get the chance to run the ball, <laughs> it uh, ended up being really beneficial for them. Yeah, I want to stay on the theme of the running back, though, because I think, I don't know, this is this is the, the play that everybody's talking about, right? The goal line stand for Saskatchewan that made their defense look so well-prepared, and then I guess kind of you have the one yard as, as your Edmonton, and people are saying, well, it's one yard, it's Canadian football, that should be a guaranteed touchdown. Yeah, it should be if uh, if you don't try to run basically a similar play three times over, and we're talking about the day that Kevin Brown had. It's three down territory. Why not mix in a play? Why not mix in a hard run or a short screen or a play action? Like, get your guys in space. I know I know the pressure's coming, so it's tough to let a, uh, a, a route develop 20 yards into the end zone, but man, I know I know we're the big proponents, too, of the goal line quarterback, of the third down sneak quarterback, but when it's not working, it's not working. Okay, let's talk about the third down quarterback. Holy crap, did the game ever hinge on this? Uh, for those that watched, three stops from the one-yard line, all three, Kai Loxley under center. One to the right, one to the left, and one that looked like he was trying to pin the corner and stretch it on an outside zone. First one, I understand. Pete Robinson made a hell of a play, shot the gap, made a tackle. You got grabbed behind by Jaden Dalton. Second one, 
go behind the same wedge. If you're going to sneak it, don't try to make it a guessing game. Take a second. Whatever your side you're pushing goes forward more, go there. The second one, he got the snap. The right side dented the D-line, and he runs into the left where it hasn't moved. Then the third one, you're one yard away. What, what is the use of going east-west when you're, you're that close? Mind you, Geno Lewis missed a huge block <laughs> on that third down play. But can, can we, can why, we why are we relying Gino? on your wide receiver one to make a goal line block when you have extra offensive linemen and big bodies in the game? In a game where he's already had 150 yards at that. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. One more, I've got one more bone to pick before we do start getting some of the highlights in this game, like Gino Lewis. Uh, Saskatchewan, what are you doing? End of the game. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. What are you doing? Whether it was called or not, whether that was Trevor Harris rolling out on his own to, to spare time or not, you can't let him do that. There's no way Trevor Harris should be rolling out trying to set and launch one at an awkward angle downfield while the pressure is hot with four seconds left in a game, no less, where you were up by four points and Edmonton needed to march the field and score a touchdown to win anyways. Now, I don't care if it's a stinger or not. I bet you Trevor Harris is going to show up on the day one injury report for on the day one injury report for Saskatchewan. Hopefully it's just a stinger, but even if, what are you doing? Oh, man. Um, I honestly think that he saw the receiver flash into the gap in zone and was like, oh, shit, if I don't throw this now, I don't have anyone in the concept that I can hit. But at the same time, you are, A, pressured by an AC Leonard who's falling down. So, it's like, you feel the pressure, but he's also slipping. So, it's kind of... You know you have an extra set, half second at least. Two, you know that you have to throw it across your body while yes. you're not set. Thank you. And three, just like as an experienced football player at any level, if your quarterback is rolling out to a certain side and you are the quarterback, people are going to be following you in that same direction. So, yes, you're rolling away from the linebackers and from the box, but the coverage is going to be shifting with you. So when you're throwing it back across your body, you're throwing it to the incoming traffic for either a suicide pass or a turnover like you had. I'm so glad that you mentioned the like throwing away from your body at that awkward angle because there's another layer to this too. You yourself, as the as the ball thrower, as the passer, are putting yourself in an awkward position with guys hot on your tail. Now your feet are all messed up. Now your hips are all messed up. And that's when you take those awkward hits. And sure, it's like it's a typical CFL hit, but you're not ready. You're not set. You're landing awkwardly. You're landing differently because your feet are out of position. Your body's out of position. You're not set. You're more primed for a stinger to turn into something serious. Yep. <laughs> Um, I will say, let's move on to a different game here because I don't, I don't want to get on this too much. 
Um, where do you want to go? Well, let's just work our way backwards. Let's go. Let's work with the recency bias that we got going on here. So I guess that gives us Ottawa at Montreal. Is it okay? Saturday night game. Here's my question. Is it Cody Fajardo who is cursed or is it Jason Moss who is cursed? Because the sack issue that plagued the pair in Saskatchewan last year has seemingly traveled with their equipment to Montreal. I'm glad you brought this up again. Well, I like I'm going to say something about this a little bit later on in in another segment that we have too. So I'm going to kind of double down here, but I think we need to like pump the brakes a little bit on the sack issues here. Yeah, six is a lot. Don't get me wrong. That was a, that was a hell of a performance from Ottawa's defense, but that defense was the second best pass rush in the CFL last year. They had 47 sacks. I kind of expected them to to come out hot. Not to mention that. Montreal is also playing with a new center in Justin Lawrence. So when you have the, a new leader to your offensive line unit, there's going to be a little bit of a, a buffer period where you need to figure out the communication, figure out, okay, like these are the tendencies along this offensive line. There's good athletes all along that offensive line in Montreal. I think they just need to kind of figure it out. And unfortunately, they got a tough test with the second best pass rush in the entire CFL last year led by the reigning Defensive Player of the Year in Lorenzo Malden, who also was one of the six on Saturday night. Man, I don't want to trash this player, Connor. But it's got to it's gotta happen. Your defense, and rightfully so, we should have done this with Edmonton too. Your defense played lights out. Outside of the first long pass that took them down to the one. Okay, you got caught. Whatever. First play of the game. To then rebound and have the red zone stops and the drives stall out that you you got, partially with your pass rush, a couple turnovers as well. And to have Nick Arbuckle turn around and toss three interceptions back at the Owls. Come on. You're making it really hard to root for this team. So, Mind you, we know this is not the long term. Right? Like, we know that Mazzoli's coming back. Mazzoli has to be playing A right now for Ottawa. I don't think you bring him in if, if not. I think he just needs maybe a little bit more time to be ready to go. But once he's ready to go, he, a- he absolutely has to come in because in this game, Nick Arbuckle completed 19 passes, three interceptions. That's basically one interception every six passes or every six completions sorry that those things are not going to win you games they're not going to win you uh conferences okay one more thing on ottawa i'm so happy that their 2022 draft has turned out the way it did surreal hogan saying do starting at center zach palio starting at right tackle this team invested early and it's paying off in year two we'll see how it's gonna be a long season but super excited to that point ottawa had six sacks in the game they only allowed one with that young with that young core along the offensive line three tfls which 
I'd have to go back and check the tape, but TFLs aren't always chalked up to offensive line play. So one one sack for them is pretty impressive. They all looked really, really good. It's a big offensive line, too. It is. They're like, well, it doesn't help when Surreal's your center and he's like six four or six five. Like, if you I find if your center is tall, like when you look at Winnipeg's offensive line, yes, they have monstrosities at the tackles. But Chris Kolonkowski in the middle just makes their offensive line not look as intimidating from a height perspective because it's literally like a big ditch when you're looking at it as a plane. Meanwhile, Ottawa is just like trees. It's a walking army of Ents coming at you. There's your Lord of the Rings reference for you, Connor. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're on the subject, I have to bring it up. Did you see the picture of... Zach Palios, Connor Burton Shaw, and Andrew Pearson all standing all standing together yes. for a photo with the Greg. Did you see what Pearson's Pearson's comment? Oh, so, so good. Pearson is shorter than the other two, but Pier- or than than Zach at least. I think he's taller than Connor. But uh his uh his quote was uh remind me to wear a hat next time on the top of my head to give me a couple inches or something like that. <laughs> oh, and, and Palios by far was like skyscrapering over the the other two guys like just to <laughs> hammer home the point of the size of the Ottawa offensive line. Oh man. It was it was really good actually. I was I was quite thrilled to see that. All right, one more thing, one more thing on this Montreal game before we move on. I have to say it because I said it on last week's episode. Kayon Julian Grant, man. What did I say? What did I say? Okay, it's fair. You did it's one you game. Did it's say. one game. I need to relax. But he did have a damn good game. He did. You were right. Uh, very good to see Kayon. Uh, I saw his post catch that he had. Um, no, it's 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 definitely going to be a plus for them to to get involved, uh, especially when they get the rest of the receiver contingent back and rolling and healthy. Uh, having more weapons at the disposal will be much needed. Yeah, certainly will. But I mean, speaking of weapons, Austin Mack, rookie receiver. Are we going to have a, a Dalton showcase on our hands here? Potential no. rookie of the year candidate? No. No. I'm staying no. Overreaction? Um, hint, hint. Yeah, we're getting overreactions. Don't worry. Yeah, I just don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of... Uh, Rookie action coming out of the East when we're talking about rookies of the year, especially with Clark Barnes. That's the West. Well I know. West I know. That's why I said there's not going to be too much coming out of the East when Clark Barnes can be taking all the attention. True. True. He did look good. All right, let's move on. Uh, two more games left here, and then we'll get some overreactions or, or not overreactions. Hamilton at Winnipeg. Man, the Bombers look good. Man, the Bombers look good. <laughs> um, yeah, they did. I saw someone, I think it was uh, Draper on on uh, CFL.ca say, like, did Willie Jefferson grow in the offseason? He looks taller. <laughs> yeah, I would guess that he probably did. Um, I, I think that Winnipeg is, we'll get to this in a second, but... Um, they are the team to beat. They are waiting to see how many, uh, how many people are going to try and challenge them. 
but Winnipeg looked unreal. We've got differing pieces on this. So I'm going to let you talk about James Butler first. For Hamilton? Yeah. I thought James Butler looked good. I mean, all things considered, 66 yards on the day. Uh, I think he was, what, like 11 carries or something like that. Um, but Hamilton was a was a team that was struggling to find a run game last year. Found some late success. But I think when you bring in a, a guy like James Butler behind a veteran offensive line like Hamilton, it's not hard to find success. But is this going to be sus- sustainable success? Is this going to be sustainable success is kind of what I'm waiting to see. But game one, James Butler looked like James Butler. I mean, it wasn't wasn't last season, the debut that he had where he had like two touchdowns, but he, he still looked like James Butler. Yeah, he looked really good um, athletically, but this is so weird, man. Like to me, James Butler was so effective last year mm-hmm. out of the backfield, kind of the quick action stuff that we saw. Later in the week, especially with like a Kevin Brown, where you see him catch a couple flare passes, or you see, you see uh, teams like Winnipeg getting Oliveira into the screen game. Um, that's what James Butler's missing, and I I want to see it, but I also am sitting here going, okay, well, why aren't we going to it? If you're not going to establish the run, get the man involved. Take some of the receiving pressures off of Tim White. The poor man was getting thrown at. I think he had like a third of Bo Levi's uh, attempts. Uh, I will give you the exact number right here. Yeah, Bo Levi Mitchell had 33 attempts. Tim White had 10 targets. A yeah. third. <laughs> a third. So, he only caught four. Yeah, like take some of the pressure off of him at least. Uh, yeah. And a way to do that could be just quick action to your running backs. Yeah, I mean, it really could, especially when you have a, a running back that's that's versatile like James Butler is. Uh, Bully Van Mitchell in the game, underwhelming, but I don't I don't think it's time to panic yet. We'll get to this a little bit later, but I think like the sentiment for me here anyways, just before we do dive into it a little bit further, is don't panic just yet. It, it's week one, and I think... Uh, I wrote no, some teams, some teams I, are panicking. Some teams are panicking. We're getting to this. Some teams I don't think it's panic. time to panic for every every team. It's week one. Not for everyone, but for some people, hit the hit the effing button. For Bo Levi Mitchell, it's not don't time hit to hit that button. No, not don't yet. Not yet. All, All right, right BC, game. BC, Calgary, Vernon, freaking Adams for the culture. Wow. Uh, for the culture. Wow. <laughs> they all had it actually taped, like written on their uh, wrist tapes and stuff, eh? Oh yeah. FTC. No, good. Uh, in case you're wondering, the BC Lions are petty. They are also very good at football. <laughs> oh, are and they their ever? fog gray uniforms look are clean. Sick. Oh, it's so good. Start dominating so crimes in fantasy if you can. That's like pretty good retrospective advice. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I texted Connor. I I swapped my lineup. I put in Dominique Rhymes, and then didn't like the way the rest of my roster fit, so I took out Dominique Rhymes. And then he scored two touchdowns in the first half, and I went, shit. <laughs> Man, Rhymes had a career year last year. Do you think we see him at those numbers again this year? Like, early, early on, he looks to be VA's guy. I think he led the, led the week with 13 targets, two first-half touchdowns. Looks to be the leader of a ridiculous wide receiving core. 
Maybe so, not the leader, but at least like the, the number one. I do, and here's why. Going from Nathan Rourke, who you spent and built time with in the offseason, having him get hurt, having to build new chemistry on the fly, and then flip back to Nathan Rourke at the end of the year, real tough. Now this year, he knows it's VA. VA's his guy. It's a lot easier to keep that chemistry going. And we saw in week one how good it already is. How good it seemed to be with with most of the wide receivers. Even like, you know, guys like Lucky getting in the well, next Javon Couture. Here's, like, here's a VA for years, even with Montreal, was flying guys out to Washington to train with them. Well, now, instead of having guys fly across the continent, he's saying, hey, guys, I'm just a couple hours away down in, uh, in Washington State. Do you guys want to come down for two weeks? And guys are either at home or close to the, the city if they saw them left and can go, yeah, I'll make that work. Or he puts it close enough to mini camps and they just come up partway and then continue the journey afterwards. It is so beneficial to be in that uh, time zone, in that area for VA to continue doing what he's done all his career. Yeah, I want to keep drooling over VA with you a little bit here too. Um, the other thing I really liked about VA in this one, aside from the obvious chemistry with with his wide receivers, all, all great points you made, the way he ran the football, the way he was being asked to run the football in this game wasn't necessarily the Montreal method where it was, we are asking you to make electric plays with your legs. In In this game, it was very much, we are asking you to make smart plays with your legs. And he, he carried the ball 10 times. He had 35 yards. He had the touchdown in the game. He he wasn't running to make the big play to go for 10, 20, 15 yards. He was running just to you know, survive. survive, to make the plays where he had to. If the lane was open, take the first down or, or get a couple yards and, and live to play another down. Like It didn't seem like he was running for his life as much as it did towards like the back end of the Montreal Montreal days, but he looked okay. good. Uh, let's talk Stampeders. We're going to jump right into overreactions after this, and I'm going to start with my Calgary one, so we won't talk too much. Um, team looked impressive. The team as a whole looked very impressive. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of playmakers. Uh, you even see like uh, Dukes. Devontra Zodem Dukes, is that I believe that's his full name. Um, Ten targets. Clark Barnes had a handful of targets. Begleton had some good catches, some some key moments. Um, I I really think that this team and Malik Henry didn't even really get going. That was that was the amazing part to me is they have all these playmakers going downfield and. Uh, arguably your most electric guy downfield. Begleton's probably your best true receiver, but Malik Henry, you could say, is the most electric. Didn't really get it started. No, yeah, but he I found in that game he was covered really well and he had to go up against, you know, some some premier DBs such as that boundary duel in that secondary. Peters and Lee is is insane. It's it's lethal and that's really hard to play in, but but you're right. There's a there's a lot of expectations this year on a guy like Malik Henry, who had a really good year last year. He's expected to be the number one. He's expected to be the guy. But in this one, it certainly was 
Odom's Dukes, that was that was the number one target. I mean, again, you talk about a guy with a ton of targets. He had 10 targets in this game as well. I agree with you with that that the prospect of Calgary's offense is exciting. It can be really good. Jake Mayer to me is a is I'm gonna call him a veteran at this point in, in the CFL. Maybe not a veteran, but but a young, I don't know. A young vet. That, a young vet? Sure, yeah. I'll a young call him, vet. Because he's vet. a vet. He's not a rookie. He's a vet, but he's not. He's a but young I think vet. where I was trying to go with that, I guess, is like I, th- I think where I consider him is, is he's old enough. He's had enough time in this league where he knows what the expectations are. It's not like he's a new guy coming into a new offense. It's an offense that he had taken over the reins of last year. And there's an expectation to go out and perform better than he did perform to what we have seen in the past especially you know when he was a rookie coming in here trying to prove himself and he had that string of three games where he was absolutely lights out and i don't think anybody's expecting that like i think that's that's you know lofty but i i certainly expect from a guy like jake Mayer to come out and play better football than 166 yards but I don't want to toss you the question. Is it time to over or underreact on him yet? Because I know you're. Okay, okay, okay. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So here's here's a simple question. It's overreaction Monday for those that like the Pat McAfee show, but we do Tuesday episodes. So we're just going to do over or underreactions, aka, is it an overreaction to say blank or is it not an overreaction to say blank? On the topic of Jake Mayer, I will go with my first one. It is not an overreaction, meaning this is what I believe to be true. That the Calgary Stampeders will not reach their potential with Jake Mayer at quarterback. A.K.A. that semifinal loss is looking pretty good. Even though you have the talent around you to be a Grey Cup contender. I don't know I, if I'm there yet. I don't know if they won't reach their potential with Mayor yet. Mayor, a part of me, okay. There's there's two parts of this. One, I absolutely love quarterbacks taking their time, being methodical down the field, completing a high percentage of passes. But there's an aspect of football, and of the CFL, that needs aggressiveness, because if you aren't going to be aggressive. The defense is going to start being aggressive on you. And that's where you get into bad things like turnovers or negative plays. Because when you are so conservative, the defense will tee up on that. And you have the receivers around you to trust it. Like, look at Taylor Cornelius. They're on their two, what, eight yard line yesterday? Two days ago, I guess, when this comes out. And he says, screw it. Geno Lewis, rail shot down the sidelines. Underthrew it. That's why Gino had to come back and moss the guy. But he said, I've got Gino Lewis. I'm going to throw it up. You have Malik Henry. Air the damn ball out. You have Reggie Bagleton. Put it on him. He'll make the play. But he's, he's so conservative. And I think that when it comes down to crunch time, yes, they're low percentage throws. But the aggressiveness has to show through. And he, he does take his calculated shots, but there needs to be another level of that. Yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, we won't spend much more time here. I'll, I'll make one point and move on, but I think uh, I think what BC did in that one was 
we're going to take Kadeem Carey away from you. We're going to take Malik Henry away from you. We'll see if Jake Mayer can beat us without two of his biggest weapons. And in week one, it didn't work. Well, it worked for BC, but it didn't work for Calgary. BC has a phenomenal defense. This team is going to be not only carried by the electricity of their offense that is Jordan Maximic, um, because this is clearly not just a holy F is Nathan Rourke good. I think it is a, this kid, this guy can coach. <laughs> he is scheming up guys all over the place. Right calls. Um, their defense is going to be something else. With Matthew Betts, like we talked about, that boundary, you pretty much can, you can combo coverage every play of the game because you know that Peters and Lee are just going to wipe away half the field. <laughs> that's that's so impressive to have uh, in any level of football, let alone professional, on such a large field. BC defense is it was ridiculous. I couldn't have, I can't say anything more to to kind of emphasize that you hit it all on the head. But I'm not I'm not going with a reaction to the BC defense. I'm going with a. Not an overreaction. So just to clarify, these are things that I think are going to happen. I'm sticking with the trend of the Lions, but I'm going to the offensive side of the ball. VA working with Maximic. VA is going to have his first 4,000-yard season of his career. He threw for 288 in his debut. And all he needs to do to to get to the 4,000-yard mark, if he averages 250 pass yards a game... you're doing it! (laughs) If he averages 250 pass yards a game, that's 4,500 yards on the season. You don't want to be on-pace guy, Connor, but... I'm not trying to be the on-pace guy. I'm just saying that in the CFL, (laughs) in the CFL, it's not... It's not, it's not ridiculous to average 250 yeah. yards a game. It's not. I will be on pace guy. 288 for the 18 game season gets you over 5,000 yards. So your 4K is is realistic, and there's going to be games where, like you said, you throw maybe like we saw Zach Claris last year, 188, but a couple touchdowns, and you know the game's just so far out of reach that they just say, okay, we don't need to really take shots. All right, so. Overreaction Monday, people saying Ottawa is going to have a similar year to last year based off of them turning the ball over a handful of times and essentially throwing the game away. Look, Arbuckle is not going to be here the whole season. It's maybe a week, maybe two weeks, and then Mazzoli's coming out, and it's going to be a hell of a difference. This defense is sweet. They have a handful of receivers. Like, who saw Justin Hardy being one of the top? But it's not just having one guy like Acklin. It's having guys like Nate Bahar, Acklin, Hardy, uh, Sinosi Mariner. These guys are all going to take a widespread of the targets. And this team is going to be a hell of a contender. I think if Ottawa figures it out, I think when Ottawa gets Masoli back and they start to kind of click a little bit more, they're going to be this a, last a team year that too, can heat up late, right? Like, I saw last year. a team that, that turns it on late in the year and, and makes a run. Montreal. Hell, Ottawa when they won the Grey Cup. Yeah. All right. You got one? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to do the same thing here. Like, we're... we're we're on a roll here with the with the Ottawa game. I'm just going to stay with it, but I'm going to go to the opposite bench. I'm going to go to the Montreal Alouettes in this one. 
the six sacks, I kind of alluded this, to this before, so I won't spend too, too much time here. But overreaction for me is that Fajardo and Moss and the Al's offense are going to be haunted by the ghost of seasons past with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, 71 sacks and all that. I think, again, I, I said it earlier, they just ran into the best defense in the East last year, 47 sacks last year, had the, the reigning defensive player of the year in Lorenzo Malden. Like, that is a tough test in week one. I expected the Ottawa front seven to come flying out of the gates. They're used to each other. They know each other. That that Montreal offensive line is still kind of feeling each other out. Your your leading man at the center position is brand new to to the team. I I, I don't think there's any any time for and you think yet. And you think Baron Miles was not ticked off playing against the Alouettes? Did you see like the heavy pressure out of the gate? Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay. I like when you one. when you have that power though, like. As the Ottawa Ottawa defense does, like, would you not do the same thing? <laughs> I would 100% do the same thing. Um, okay, not an overreaction. Claros, three straight MOPs. Man, with there's good quarterbacking play, and then there's Zach Claros. He looked like he was on a different freaking level in week one. And we know that it's just the start. We know that it's only going to get more and more and more to the point where we're sitting here going, well, there's not really a debate. He's got three straight. And they're going for what? The sixth or fifth Grey Cup run in a row? As, as CFL fans, I don't care what, what fan you are, what team you're a fan of. As CFL fans collectively, we rallied behind Nathan Rourke. We need to put that same energy into Zach Caleros at this point because what we're witnessing from him, I know it's only one, game one, but this is, I'm overreacting, but I, it's not an overreaction. What we're witnessing from, from Zach Caleros right now is is ridiculous, is stuff that's going to go down in CFL lore as legend. This is generational stuff going on from Zach Caleros right now. I don't care if you're a Ryder fan. I don't care if you're not a Bomber fan. I don't care if you're a Ticats fan. I think everybody right now should just take a pause to be a Zach Caleros fan for a second because this is greatness. This is CFL history unfolding in front of you. Truly one of the greatest. Okay, uh, we each have what two left? Yes, and again, I'm again. I, I'm, oh no, you've got three. You've got three, but one of ours kind of goes together. It goes hand in hand. Yeah, so I've got two left. Let's say, and then I'll kind of pile on where where that one leads in, but. Uh, just talking about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I'm staying right there on the offensive side of the ball. Brady Oliveira this year is going to finish as a top three running back in this league, and I don't think that's an overreaction. Again, it's a unit that knows each other. It's a unit that hasn't changed much throughout the offseason. The core is still there. The nucleus of that offense is still very much intact. The offensive line still looks phenomenal, and uh, Brady is at a point in his career now. Again, it's the maturity thing. Like I think he's turned into mm -hmm. a young vet in this that. league, and I, I think he's going to get there. He knows what it takes. He has the drive. He's a damn and, good ball player. And for certain veteran players, this is what it looks like to earn respect in a locker room. This guy came in last year, had the weight of the world replacing a franchise legend. Didn't have a good start at that. And just kept plugging away, kept grinding, kept grinding. And when it came down to it, now you see the monster he has become.
That carries some weight. If he was to get traded to a new team, guys would sit there and go, oh, damn. So I'm with you on that one. Uh, Okay. It's an overreaction to say that Cornelius will not be the starter all year. Their offense looked fine. They've got a ton of new pieces. They played a damn good defense in the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I was very impressed with Larry Dean and co. uh, on Sunday. Cornelius will be fine. They've paid him so much damn money, and you and I are the first ones banging on the table to get Trey Ford in the game. But this is going to be Cornelius' year. Unless the rails fall off the absolute wagon, all four like simultaneously break off, Taylor Cornelius is going to be the starter, if healthy, all season, from now until the playoffs for the Edmonton Elks. I think it's a bit of an overreaction to call for it right now. Um, Hell, Trey Ford got a couple games and looked last year and looked way worse, and they were going to stick with him until he got hurt. Yeah, I'm with you. It's not an overreaction for me, really. I think, you know, when you gave Taylor Cornelius franchise quarterback money, you kind of knew what you were getting yourselves into as an offense at that point. You're going to live and die by the, the heat of his hand, right? Like, if he's hot, he's hot. If he's cold, hopefully your defense is playing damn good ball and, and Kevin Brown can bail you out or Gino can make some big plays, such as he did uh, on Sunday night. Like, I know Cornelius didn't look great, but it was still a pretty close game. So I think, uh, yeah, you knew what you were getting yourselves into when when you gave Cornelius that franchise money. Because when he's hot, man, he looks really good. Hey, he looks like a great corn dog. And then, as you guys can see from our <laughs> CFP Twitter page, sometimes you're not a nice corn dog. All right. Um, you've got two left because I started. So go for your two. Yeah, I'm going back the to best BC. Best for last is going to be how this rolls. Yeah. Going back to Vancouver, going back to BC for this one. Talk about Mizell, the running back for the BC Lions. I, I said, so I'm going to do a little bit of self-scouting here because when we were doing our bets, I believe it was, I said, I want to see something out of the BC backfield without James Butler. Preseason, they didn't show me really anything. Like when Mizell comes out of the gates, goes for 80 yards. Man, we saw has- what James Butler did last year with, the BC Lions offense, BC Lions offensive line. They're going to use Taekwon Mizell in the same ways as James Butler, and he proved game one that he can carry that load. Damn, he looked good. Another gear uh, as he breaks into the second second level. Oh, my goodness. Man, he's going to be impressive. And spoiler alert for Thursday's episode, I already have my lineup set, and Taekwon Mizell is (laughs) in the roster. Um no, I'm I'm not kidding, Connor. Nine thousand dollars, book him in. There's uh, our rookie of the year. You know what? That that's a really good one. I, I I'm with that. Uh, all right, my final one, really random. Sean Bain is going to be the wide receiver one in Saskatchewan. It's not an overreaction to say that. Dean Schaefer Baker is going to miss some time. Not really a fan of what I saw from Sam Emelis looked really good. Really impressive with that. But Sean Bain has the speed to reach next level and make a difference in the game. Just get him the ball and watch him go. Um, I think he was leader in targets for them too uh, in their game. Yeah, I was going to say. It's a stretch because if Keen Shaper Baker comes back, immediately volumes of targets going to go over to him. But Sean Bain looks real impressive. I would not be surprised 
if we were sitting here at the end of the year and he had like a Tim White season from last year. Yeah, I, I kind of rock with you on this one. I will I will put a, a for now on this one for me. Well, Sean Bain is a wide receiver one for now because, again, when we talk about targets, you mentioned it. He was another one of these guys that was double-digit targets in week one. Keen Schaefer-Baker, like you said, not there. And, and Sean Bain was the obvious go-to guy for Saskatchewan game one. Yeah, and like Jake Winicky's there, yes. But we Jake Winicky is, is a fantastic safety valve. Yeah, he's a, he's he's a great safety valve. But Sean Bain has the electric ability. Yeah, like a Clark Burns, Mister Electric, uh, to make a huge difference. So the final one that we have is all yours. But I am a hundred and ten percent piggybacking on you for this one. Yeah, we again we mentioned this one already. I think this one goes for. You know, not only Bo Levi Mitchell, but Hamilton as a whole. You're not doomed. You're okay. It's week one. This this is a new team, new quarterback. You brought in some new players who, let's let's be real, they looked like they were fitting in offensively pretty well. At least Duke Williams had a had a damn good game. There's new pieces on this on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, there's there's familiar faces in a guy like Jagarit Davis, but still, these are there's a lot of new moving parts to this to this team i think there's a lot of talent here and once it gets figured out look out don't panic they're not going to be below 500 uh if you guys have any more that you think we could include or if you just thought of any on your own let us know shoot us a dm connor myself or on the cfb account we will see them all uh we'll go through a couple on thursday if we do get some but connor i think that's it for tuesday I got one more thing before we wrap it up, just kind of quickly. We did touch on our fantasy league, on our fantasy teams. For week one, Stop shout bragging. out to Hamilton Boilermaker for coming first overall in the week. 124.5 points. I will say, I myself, second spot. But if you want to join the league, it is CF Perspective Fantasy 2023. Uh, I think we should also put the link out on social media at some point, too. Uh, so look for that, but see a perspective fantasy 2023 couple guys in there right now. Wade sitting in fourth. Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, that Donnie Grimes thing is going to plague me because the guy I took out for him was Malik Henry. And then I flipped it around afterwards. I did actually, I will admit I did. Uh, and I said I was going to, but I did change up my, Oh, we, we say our fantasy lineup and then we sit for the next 24 hours and rotate it and tweak it and adjust it. So I'm sorry if people followed our initial advice because I, I, I ended up with close to the same, but some guys were different. Except on VA, though. That was a cool 51 points if you captained him and doubled <laughs> up there. That was, that was a good call. I did last minute plug in Geno Lewis, 25.8 oh. points. I'm, I'm thrilled about that. So that was an absolute, like, self scout here to another self scout before we close out. I'm an absolute dummy. Nobody listened to me in terms of gambling. I totally forgot Richie and Danny got suspended. And then shout out Rob Fry because he got my DMs. He's like, yo, Richie and Danny got suspended. Just heads up. And I was like, oh my God, that's right. He had the, he got, I looked it up. He got suspended in January. And I was like, I am such an idiot. But uh, I, th- I just like, I was like, oh, but he played the preseason game. So I was like, I don't know. I just, it was, Anyways, it was an ordeal, and I messed up. Apologies to all you. Self-scouting is important. Hold yourself accountable. Always double-checking the work. Uh, Okay. That's it? I think that's all. 
think that's if all. If you want to head over to fox40shop.com, get yourself ready for coaching and or boating season. 15% off with the code CFP15 at checkout. Uh, the worldwide leader in whistle tech, coaching boards, merchandise, you name it, they've got it. Fox40shop.com, CFP15 for 15% off your next order. And we would also like to tell you to go and shop noodle.store, the newest player in the hat game. They are reshaping and redesigning how you wear hats like Connor's throwback riders hat. Maybe it doesn't fit as well as it could. Noodle has that solved with custom fitting snapback hats, the next edition to headwear. I think that's it. That wraps it up. Yes, we'll uh, we'll see everybody later this week with some previews, gambling, fantasy, all that fun stuff. But we will be back, and obviously, you can catch Marsh now with his new daily podcast. Which I think he's camping this week, so he he is camping this week. A bit behind, but nonetheless, we'll be putting out content. A blocks coming back. Breakdown with Eric Taylor's coming back. Marsh's new pod, like mini pod series, is is in the works. It's a good time to be listening to you. So catch you all. Later.